So for the last few weeks, we've been talking about this equation, this greater than series. And our first Sunday, as Tiffany reminded us, our first Sunday is that we have to put ourselves on the right side of this equation. God is greater than us. And sometimes it's a really hard thing for us to, to get down. We talked to that Jesus is greater than our circumstances. He's given us the power through His glory and resurrection to overcome. And we need to remember that. We've looked at that God is, is greater than our pain. Even though the hurt hurts, He is greater. God is greater than our time last week. And we looked at this rope, and we had this rope going from one end all the way over there, and this small little blue section taped off that represents your life here on earth. And everything else just keeps going on for eternity. And we need to have that eternity mindset with the decisions we make in this small little taped off blue part that is our time on this planet. God is greater than not just time itself, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. But He's greater than our time as well. And so this whole series has been really wrapped around this one phrase. And it's not about saying God is greater. It's about living God is greater. And I hope this series breaks into your heart as it has mine to really put God on the the proper side of that equation, greater than and everything that we're doing. It's not about just saying it. It's about actually living it out. And especially for what we're talking about today, the living it out becomes the hard part. It's easy to say. The doing is the hard part. My wife always says, you know, it's, it's not just good enough to say you're sorry, just don't do that again. It's not just a saying, like, it's the action. I'm horrible at that. That's a discussion for another time. I'm working. I'm working on it. God's helping me. He's greater than, so I'll just keep leaning on that. But I want to start off with a scripture this morning. It's from the book of James, chapter 4. And I want this to set our tone following that video. Starting in verse 13. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're, you're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag, but all such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good, who knows the good he ought to do, and doesn't do it, sins. And today we're talking about our finances. I think it just started off so it's not just all kind of melancholy. I was uh, at a church before this up in Atlanta, uh, up in Buckhead, Atlanta, a very large, large church. And we had a donation center in there. And, and I, I snapped this picture a couple years ago. And I've just been holding on to it for either posterity or for such a time as this. So Kim, let's put up this picture. We're going to zoom in here in a second. But it's one of those memes like that would be on Facebook. It says, when you see it, you probably can't read this. But can, you read, can you read Donation Center? Can you read that? Okay. Uh, let's go to that next picture. It zoomed in a little bit. I don't know if you can read that box. It's this popular like shopping fashion brand online membership website thing. I don't get it. I'm a dude. I don't shop. Um, but this, it's filled with canned goods, and the box says, guilt. 
just being left there at this donation center. And so I know it's a different brand, but I, I couldn't miss that opportunity to be like, okay, how ironic is this? And we don't like talking about this so much because we have sometimes that word on that box, spelt properly, of course. And I don't know if you guys have seen the Emperor's New Groove uh, Disney movie came out. It's one of my favorite movies like of all time. I laugh hysterically through it every time. And there's this like, whoa, no touchy part. And he like, kind of goes on ninja. This, this man turned into a llama. You'll just have to watch the movie. And he's like, whoa, no touchy. And we're almost like that with, with money, with our finances. God can invade every other area of my life. He can have my Sunday mornings from 10 a.m. to 11.25. I'll give him five more minutes in case we go over. Yeah, He can have that. He can have like a Monday night small group. He can have some prayer time. The once a week devotional, that's fantastic. You start talking about my money? Oh, walls come up. We get no touchy. So I've leaned into another pastor. Actually, this is months ago between January and March because we've been intentionally waiting to talk about finances here. This church, if you've been here through this journey of the last between two and five, six years, has been rough for us financially. You've had to reset a few times. Long before most of us were here, including myself. I was here for the last one. I'm going to go back over that again. So it's been intentional to not talk about finances or money for over a year now. We're done with that now. Because we have to talk about the biblical concepts, God's way, of finances. We can't avoid it any longer. We can't be no touchy. So during this last year, I've leaned in on another pastor who uh, gave this message, and I'm like, hey man, can I like borrow half of that? Uh, and so I did. So I'm going to give him half the credit on this for sure. Um, Aaron Alinsky over at Grace Church, Melbourne, and uh, he got it from somewhere else. So half of that is coming from this, but it ties in so well with our Greater Than series I couldn't avoid it. And it, because it's such a touchy subject, I wanted it done right. You know, it's got to be one of those things that even though we haven't talked about it, and even though it might bring up bad memories if you were here as a church, or maybe this is your first time here and you're like, great, another church that talks about money. You can ask literally anyone else around you, and you're like, no, this is the first time in at least almost two years um, that I'm aware of that finances have even been talked about. So um, it's not one of those times. But those times are also behind us. And if we're going to recognize God's greater than in our life, we can't avoid this subject. And we learn a lot about ourselves when we look at how we spend money. You know what we learn? It shows us where our priorities are. Dave Ramsey in his Financial Peace University class says that exact same thing. You, you want to know where someone's heart is, where someone's passion is? Look at their checkbook. It'll tell you how they manage money. It'll tell you where their priorities are, if it's saving or if it's spending, if it's investing or if it's gambling. It'll tell you where those priorities are. And we don't like talking about money. I mean, we're, we're all in that boat, right? Most of us don't like talking about money. We don't like t- talking about like, hey, uh, hey, how much do you make? That's not a normal water cooler conversation. Like, dude, don't, don't ask me that. Hey, what's your pension plan? What you got? I'm going to talk about it. But money can be one of the most powerful tools in your life or one of the most detrimental drains in your life, depending on how 
you use it. And oftentimes, even as Christians, we say, we don't like to talk about money. Money is the root of all evil. Nope. Go back and read it. The love of money is the root of all evil. Money's a tool. That's it. It's how we use it. And people, especially at church, don't like listening to it. So I apologize if you're uncomfortable, but you're stuck here now, and it's going to be very awkward and apparent if you just, you know, bounce. So, but it usually makes us uncomfortable, right? Talking about money and finances. Because really, if we're honest, that's the one place where we still want to hold on to some control. You know, God, I'll surrender my faith. It's yours. I'll surrender. You know, I'll, I'll try to live my life in a, in a godly way. I'll try to model Christ, you know, for, for my kids. But that's my money. Like, I work hard for that money. I have my job, and my job gets me my money. And I do what I want with my money. I do what I want. Don't invade my money. And that's one of the hardest places for us because that's usually the last stronghold or our first line of defense when we actually try to live out greater than. Because remember, it's not about saying it. It's about living it. And some leaders, some church leaders even, can only talk about money because they actually just want to get something out of it. And that's not why we're going to share this today. A few things you might want to know about us as a church. Does it cost us money to stay open? The obvious answer is, yeah. Uh, it costs us about twelve grand a month to stay open. Rent. That's a big chunk of it. CCLI licensing. You don't even know what that is, don't worry about it. We're required to have it, to have words on the screen. We can sing every day. Million-dollar liability insurance policy. Covers you in case you become a dumb-dumb and run into that door right there. Insurance. Rental insurance. Costs money to have a website. AC feels good, doesn't it? Woo! Yeah, Florida. Lights. I can see. We give money to the Brevard Baptist Association. We tithe as a church here. We give. We give money to help people. More people than you could probably even know about that happens during the week. Staff. All that adds up. It costs us money to be here. It costs you money to live, doesn't it? Eh? Anyone living for free that we don't know about? Because we need to figure out how you're doing that. So before we dive too much deeper into this uncomfortable subject of money, it all we all have to use money. And things we get cost us money. And sometimes we keep that at that level plane. When we let God invade that, it changes everything. So I want to apologize this morning to, to you. For anyone who has ever given you a wrong understanding of giving, or used and abused what was given with a cheerful heart. There are five things that people do with money. You know that? There's really only five. There's a list. We can either spend it, uh, we can pay debt or bills, uh, we can pay our taxes, uh, we can save or we can invest, or the fifth one is we can give it. So we're going to be looking at four things this morning about this order, but usually the five things that we do, it is in this order, right? Spend it first. Yes, me first. Woo! New Xbox. New shoes. Mm. Pay debt and bills. Oh, yeah. Bright house. Huh. AC. City of Melbourne water. 
That'd come in handy. Uh, pay taxes. Thank you, Uncle Sam. Save or invest. Yeah, if we got money, I'll throw into a 401k or, or pension. If I got some leftovers. And then we have give it <laughs> down at the bottom. And this, besides being the five things that we do with our money, this is also usually the order we follow, isn't it? If we're honest with ourselves. So we're going to look at, again, four things today that are going to shift this and reminding us how God is greater than our finances. First things. Y'all ready? Number one, God must be first. Simple, right? <laughs> this isn't a ground-shaking, earth-shattering series. Simple truths in here. God must be first. Have you ever had a friend who you loan stuff to, and then like you got it back in much, much worse condition, and you're like, thanks. You don't want to be rude. Or maybe you go out to lunch, and you have one of those friends, and you know, like, hey, James, let's go to lunch. All right. Oh, man, I forgot my wallet, man. Uh, we're at JDL. Jason's Deli. That's what I call it. We're at JDL, and I'm out of money. Can you spot me? Of course, you being, you know, we exist to share two life with a cool Tumblr guy. Now you're all like, yeah, I can spot you that money. Here's 20 bucks. Next week, he pays you back with a candy bar. Like, that's not an equal trade, right? We've all had those friends. You guys have those friends? Maybe I need your friends because I feel like I've had those friends. Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 3 says, Then God gave the people all these instructions. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God but me. Deuteronomy chapter 6, 14 and 15. You must not worship any of the gods of the neighboring nations. For the Lord your God, he's like, I'm talking about myself here, who lives among you, is a jealous God. Oh, we're like, oh, we're back in the Old Testament today. Buckle up. Yep, we are. You see, God isn't asking anything from us that He was not willing to do Himself. He gave us His first, His firstborn and only Son, sacrificed, beaten, crucified, hung upon a cross to die for you and for me. This is not about religion this morning. This is a covenant. He gave us His first and only. He just wants to be that evil, equal trade. God must be first. When I got married to Lisa uh, back in 2008, right year, yes. <sighs> got that for the rest of the day. He's strutting around. When I got married back to Lisa back in 2008, you know, we were up there and we had this little prayer time and we kneeled down. I'm like crying like a baby. And then you get up there and if you've been married or been to any weddings before, you know this and you stand up and you say vows and you're like tearing up and you look at each other. I promise to be with you, And through all of that, you just, you want them to know that you're putting them first. No matter what storms come, they're going to be first in your life. But it also comes with that covenant-like expectation that that person you're saying those vows to, is gonna, they're going to return the favor, right? It comes with that covenant-like expectation. That's what God's saying. He's like, I want to be first. I want to be fifth, 17th. I want to be first. Second point here this morning. Give God the first of everything. And these are two different concepts. Two completely different concepts. Make God first, one concept. Give God the first of everything, completely different concept. That's why you have church on Sundays. It's the first day of the week. Ta-da! First. Our first thought every morning should be getting up. Be like, God, I love you. Thank you for this day. Sun came up again. I'm breathing. Woo! 
win. When we get our priorities in the right order, when we give to God from the first of our resources. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4, and you're like, yep, I knew we are going to be doing Old Testament. This is even before the law and the commandments was even written down. Genesis chapter 4, probably heard this. There's a guy named Adam. God made him. Adam was lonely, made Eve. Adam and Eve happy. Yay! Make children. Yay! All right? And now so we have these two guys, two sons, Cain and Abel. Cain's firstborn. Abel is the the secondborn. So here's Genesis chapter 4, starting in verse 2. And later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks. He was a shepherd. And Cain worked the soil. He was like a field, field dude growing crops. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. And the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry. And his face was downcast. We're going to be reading some more about that in a few minutes. But you see, here's the difference. Cain brought some. Abel brought his best. He brought his first as an offering. And that reflected their hearts. Cain's like, I'll give you some. Like, here's whatever. And that's exactly where his heart was with God. Abel's like, no, you're my God. I want you to have the best. I want you to have the first. When I teach piano, and I still do, um, it's very obvious to me what kids come into the lessons prepared and are ready with their first and their best. Because you can't fool the teacher when a kid ain't prepared. So we got all these, my dog ate my homework excuses and all these other kind of stuff. And even in the workplace, you're like, oh, sorry, I'm late, I hit traffic. Like, your normal traffic? Yeah, I just woke up 10 minutes late. And you get right down to it, it's just excuses. And you can see right through it. So can God. It's like, he looked straight through Cain's offering and saw his heart and said, you know, you're just giving me some, just because you feel it's obligatory. Futurity last week, obligatory this week. Listen online if you missed it. And he looked straight through Abel's offering and saw his heart. A heart that said, I want to give you first, I want to give you the best. So when you wake up, what should you do? Turn on the news, make coffee? What? Pray. Thank God. First, 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 first. Thank God for the day, for your blessings, for life, for kids and the family. Houses that people in Louisiana don't, don't have anymore. Cars to drive. You know if you own a car and you have a house to store it in, we call that a garage, you are in the richest 3% of the world if you have a house for your car. If you have a garage. Thank God for all of that. I mean, seriously. Wake up and make it first. When you're blessed to have a child, dedicate him back to the Lord. When you get paid, don't give last. Give when? First. The order matters. The order matters. When we model this personally and in this church, any uncomfortable feelings about money or giving or tithing, you know where it goes? Right out the window. Because when you know you're giving God your best, your first, 
There's no reservations. Money's just that tool. So, whatever. Make it rain. I don't care. It's just a tool. Because I'm already giving God my first and my best. Let's pick up what happens in this story. Genesis, again, chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. So Cain's all like, what? You don't like my offering? Then the Lord had said to Cain, why are you so angry? See, Cain got angry about this. Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, tying in that scripture from James like we talked about, sin is crouching at your door. And it desires to have you. It wants to consume you. But you must master it. Does Cain master his sin, his anger? If you know the rest of the story? No. He goes out the next day and he kills Abel in the fields and then tries to hide that as well. Sin crouched, swinging just like a spider, right on his doorstep of his heart, waiting to come in. Because he had his priorities in the wrong order. So when we know what we should do but don't, and when we lack that self-control, we allow worldly or financial temptation to become sin. So some tough questions. If you're not, comma, why aren't you allowing God to be number one in your giving? Time, money, prayer life, relationships. If God's not number one in any of those areas, why, why isn't He? Another question, do you, do you mistrust or have reservations for some reason in that area? We've already talked about that. God is greater than that. Those circumstances, that pain, that time. Do you feel like you, here's the word, have to be in control? And that puts us on the wrong side of this equation, doesn't it? But this area, this financial dreadnought of a conversation we're talking about this morning, if you let God have control of this life and this area of your finances, we're talking about a surrender that nothing else can come close to. And it's life-changing. So if God is first, and if you give your best, how much is that? You're probably like, here comes the tithing talk. And you know what my answer is? Yeah. You're exactly right. Here comes the tithing talk. Do you? Do you not? If you don't, how do you determine the amount? Like, alright, so I've done my bills, and I got my paycheck, I got paid, and then went to a movie, and I went to Starbucks a few times, uh, and then I got some clothes, and I got some shoes, and I put like $5 in my you know, savings account just to make myself feel good, you know, or I got that change thing that just rolls over my leftover quarters into savings, so it's doing it automatically for me, I don't even have to do that anymore, and I got, oh man, I got like maybe 2.6497125%, I will give to God's glory this month, yes, like how do you come up with that? amount. Here's the great part. God has already established the amount. Let me talk about why here. God establishes the amount. Leviticus chapter 27 verse 30. Leviticus. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus chapter 27 verse 30. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees belongs to the Lord. 
It is holy to the Lord. He's talking about 10%. And do you know why it's 10%? Why 10% is considered a tithe? Anyone know? So that anyone or everyone can do it. And this is where we get really confused about church and finances. Because it's not about the amount. It's not. It's about the sacrifice. It's 10% because if you have $5, it doesn't matter. $5,000, it doesn't matter. $5 million, it doesn't matter. It's not the amount. It's the sacrifice involved. 10%. Anyone can do 10%. So for us as a church, like when our financial guys, who's not me, are going through all that kind of stuff to help keep this place open, and they're going down that, it's not about the amount. It's about the equal sacrifice. 10%. Everyone can do 10%. Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23. Deuteronomy. A couple books over. Chapter 14, verse 23. Be sure to set aside, here that is, a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. Eat the tithe of your grain, new wine and oil, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks in the presence of the Lord. In other words, take it to where the Lord is. Be there at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name. This morning, it's here. So that you may learn to revere the Lord, your God, always. Now, I can't make you give 10%. I can't. But I can guarantee that when you follow God's word, you will not ever feel convicted or frustrated or hesitant when we talk about giving in church ever again. I can also guarantee that getting this greater than concept even down into your budgets and your finances and your checkbooks can radically change your life. I've unknowingly served at churches in the past where even the pastor didn't tithe. Found out about that later. I wasn't happy. What am I going to do about it? Nothing. Because he modeled his heart. We're not in that situation here. There's tithes and there's offerings even above that. So I'm proud to say my wife and I tithe. It goes right back into helping everything else happen here just the same. And I've seen God come through time and time again and balance math that didn't make sense at the beginning of the month. I've seen it happen. More times than I count. Lisa's seen it happen. She's way better than the numbers. She does most of that stuff. And just like, hey, how are we doing? Okay, not good? All right. I've seen God come through. When we left Atlanta to move down here, I took a substantial pay cut. My pay cut was my first salary I ever had. And I left that to come here. Lisa left her job completely. And we moved down here. When we, we didn't know where we were going to live. But God has continued to take care of that. And we've never wanted for anything. God has given us all of our needs. And we are content. I was talking with a friend of mine, John. Anyone knows John Patch? You know John? Hopefully you got a chance to know John Patch. I've known John Patch for years. And we bumped into each other in a Publix maybe two months ago about that. Like, hey, John. Hey, John. What's up? And uh, we started talking, and you know, he, he and Cheryl, his wife, have come, come be a part of the life of this church. And, and John was in the hospital this week. John is here this morning. He thought he had a stroke on Monday in the hospital. And they, 
did angiograms and cardiograms and telegrams to try to figure out what was going on with John. Uh, so far, pretty good news, just blood loss and some other stuff. But John and I got to have a great conversation this week in the hospital, an hour and a half or something like that. We, I lost track of time. It was great. But John is one of those guys. If you don't want to talk to me about money, that's fine. Talk to John. Talk to Preston and Yvonne in the back. There's a few other families in here that I know that have publicly shared with me. Again, there's no reservations about it. If you have any doubts to watch God come through in a mighty way, talk to those people. Don't even talk to me. Talk to those people, and they'll talk about life change. And if you allow God to be greater than in your finances, you know what? He will be. He will be. So put God first. Give God your first and your best. Get our priorities in order. Let God set the amount. And here's our fourth point this morning. We'll be done after this. The first can bless the rest. The first can bless the rest. Here's Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Proverbs chapter 3. Honor the Lord with your wealth. With the first fruits, not your last fruits, not your some fruits, not your leftover fruits, your first fruits of all your crops, everything that you got, give God first. And you know what? Here's this great word. What's the next word? It's not and, it's not or, it's not but, it's what? Then, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your new vats will brim over with new wine. Give God first, then, first, then. I'll just keep shimming it on. First, then, off the edge of this stage here. The then means that God has obligated himself to bless us. This isn't prosperity gospel. This is biblical truth. My goal is not to, it's not some quick get rich thing. It's not some telemarketer church thing. I want God to bless you. I do. I want you to see him move in your finances. It's not about blessing us or this building or this place. It's irrelevant. God's building his church. How long he wants us, I don't know. That's up to him. It's not us. Black Tie Digital is a company next door. You may walk by it. You may park in front of it. You may know that Scott Brasdo, our worship leader, is the owner and CEO of that corporation. They have an office here and they have an office in Lake Mary. And when you walk in their office, there's this glass awesome looking thing I wish I had here. But it says this. Our mission is to help businesses grow, utilizing cutting-edge digital marketing strategies and have fun while doing it. We strive to be excellent in all things. We do. So that our work glorifies, what, ourselves? No. Our work glorifies God. It's in the front of his business. Another company that did the same was started by a man named Alexander Kerr. He was brought to Jesus by a revival preacher may have heard of by the name of Dwight L. Moody. And shortly after, read about this guy named Jacob in Genesis. Now, Jacob gave a tenth. He gave God his first. He gave God his best. He had his priorities in the right order. He followed God's amount, and God blessed him, increased his cattle and livestock. He was one of the richest men in the East. And he, this Alexander Kerr guy, was a big fan of this passage in Malachi. I want to read this to you because he, like Scott next door, put this up on the wall in his business. Malachi 
Last book before the, the Gospels there. So if you find Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, just a page before. Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 through 10. And we talked about this last week with time. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. So bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And this great four words, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Test me in this. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. And Alexander Kerr put this up on the wall of his business. And in 1880, he started the Kerr Glass Manufacturing Company. And they made fruit jars. Most of them have been bought out by Mason. Ball Mason jars, right? did the same thing out in California, this place called San Francisco. Things were going great until this little event called the San Francisco Earthquake happened in 1906. It was an estimated 7.8 on the Richter scale earthquake shook San Francisco. So much stuff broke. It caused a fire that raged for days. 3,000 people were killed in San Francisco in this fire barely 100 years ago. And 80% of San Francisco was burned away. This is where Alexander's Care's glass manufacturing company was there in the heart of San Francisco. And his buildings were filled with oil, flammable substances, wood construction, and glass. So we heard about this earthquake. He didn't live there. That's where his company was. And he got this telegram saying, dude, your business is in the heart of earthquake plus fire. Like, just count... Everything you are is a total loss because he had everything invested in this company. So he waited. He's like, you know what? No, I don't believe you. God is not going to go back on his promises. He said, test me in this. Three days later, Alexander Kerr got another telegram. And despite his wood frame construction building filled with oil and flammable substances, and glass that could break in an earthquake. His building, his company, with that Malachi passage on the wall, was the only building remaining standing in downtown San Francisco after the earthquake and the fire. Not even burned. Not even the wood fence around his property was burned from a fire that raged for days and destroyed every other building for blocks. And then here, you have a glass manufacturing company with Malachi 3 on the wall saying, test me in this. Alexander Kerr trusted in the greater than, 
even above his business, even above his financial wealth, above his security, above his investments. And God proved that he was greater than. If you let God be greater than in your finances, remember what? He will be. And God wants to prove that to you and me again today. Because he's greater than you. He's greater than our circumstances. He's greater than our pain. He's greater than our time. And we put ourselves, trying to put ourselves on the right side of this equation. But we have to run our lives through this Malachi test. Test me in this, God says. And see if I don't open the floodgates of heaven and bless you more than you can possibly imagine. And that's the challenge for us this morning. To give God our first. To give God our best. To give God His amount that He's set aside so we don't have to worry about it. Then talking about money becomes easy. And this stuff is actually easy for me to say this morning. I was kind of concerned about it. I was worried about it. But about a week ago, I got really amped up and excited to talk about it because I'm just talking about His promises. These aren't mine. I don't have to keep this. <laughs> this is not a promise I have to keep to you. This is His promise I'm reminding us of. He keeps it. I don't. And that's the challenge, to let God, who is the greater than, greater than our circumstances, greater than our pain, greater than our time, be greater than in our finances. And all of these things, we have to let God be on that side of the equation. We have to move ourselves to the right side. You're going to have to do the same with your finances. God just doesn't come into your life and be like, you know what, I got your circumstances. You're like, thanks God. You know what, I see you're hurting, I'm going to come in. We have to let God be who He is. And that's greater than our pain, greater than our time, greater than our circumstances, greater than us, and also greater than our finances. So I want to challenge you this morning. Test God. Don't test me. It's not true life, church, words. This is His. Don't test me. Test Him. Prove Him wrong. Or try. You can't. Good luck. You'll find out. And you can talk to John, you can talk to Preston Yvonne, you can talk to Lisa and myself, the people who tithe, the people who give. There's no reservations. You want to give more. I know, I know a couple of couples who have been so blessed, they're giving to multiple, they're tithing to multiple churches, multiple avenues to reach out and share God's love in real life. So I encourage you to do that this morning. Let God be greater than your finances. Let's pray.